0: You're listening to Operation Veteran Finance, where veterans receive unbiased and expert advice to help them achieve their money mission. Here's your host, Army veteran and certified financial planner professional, Garrett Sorensen. Hello and welcome to Operation Veteran Finance, where you get straightforward investing, saving, and planning education to help you accomplish your financial mission and become a veteran of your finances. I'm your host, Army Veteran and Certified Financial Planner, Garrett Sorensen. I really appreciate you guys tuning into this episode today. We are back from a pretty long break, basically all of July. We were off. Uh, I had a trip to Brazil for a family wedding, and then we got back and that uh, there was a illness going around the house here in the uh, in the Sorensen household and then uh, we had to get ready for some uh, Army National Guard training some drill for uh, the weekends here and so we've been busy we've been away we are back and we are excited for a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about as we are moving into this uh, end of summer fall season so jumping right into it I want to talk about this, episode. Uh, and there's a story behind why we're going to talk about what's in this episode. And so I'm in. I'm involved in a lot of Facebook groups that are veteran related. And some of those ones that are veteran related will have specific uh, uh, branches or sp- specific pages that are geared towards finances. And so in one of these specific groups that I'm in, and I'm not going to name the group by any means, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But there was a question in the group that said uh something along the lines of "Do you consider a house your the house that you own to be an asset or a liability and that that was basically the extent of the question it wasn't too much just a couple of lines asking the question and I think the intent behind what uh what the person that was asking the question was really trying to get to and i and i I mentioned this to him when we were you know when i responded to the post obviously is that i don't think that he was using those terms correctly i think what he meant is that do you do you see the own the ownership of a home you know essentially being uh a risky in the sense that it's worth it or too risky no it's not it's not worth it of course everyone's going to have their own personal opinions on this but as i was reading those comments that i started to realize There are a lot of people that have a very specific definition of what an asset is that may have potential blind spots in the way that they're classifying what an asset might be. And so this episode, I want it to be all about assets. What is an asset? How are assets classified? We'll talk a little bit about asset location, the way that we actually use assets in the different ways. And then the one thing that I I talk a lot about, which is asset allocation, which is kind of going into one of the most basic uses of how people are investing and using assets as a way to fund their goals, to fund their planning aspects. It's um, it's the way that when we talk about how to accomplish your financial goals, asset allocation is typically one of the most uh, important things that, that we talk about when it comes to the planning features of uh, investment planning. So, let's start off high level. What is an asset? And the at the end of the day, an asset is, is its ownership. Ownership is the most basic definition of an asset. It's something that you can own or a company can own or a country can own. It's something that is owned by somebody that has some sort of economic value. And that's a very broad definition of asset. You can start to get very granular. There's different types of assets. There's a fixed asset. There's income assets. There's appreciation, appreciating assets, depreciating assets. There's assets that serve all kinds of purposes. And at the end of the day, the all you want to really know with an asset is that it is something you own. And so one that I, I tend to talk about, because again, when people have a very specific point of view on an asset, the one that I Tend to go to is your car, and I would say I would ask people: Is your car an asset? The vehicle that you drive is it an asset? It, it, I'm not asking about a specific car. Some people might be. Well, I drive you know this 1979 uh, Stingray, and so it's considered a classic. And and that's not really what I mean. I mean that the car that's sitting in your driveway takes you to and from work. Would you consider that to be an asset? And this is where people's individual biases really kind of start to play in here because in reality your vehicle is an asset it is a depreciating asset which a lot of people will probably say and from there it's not one that necessarily has a strong economic value but one one way to think about your vehicle is if you did not have that vehicle would you be able to maintain that same quality of life that you possess right now Whether it be getting to and from work, right? Driving to the place where, where you earn your income or your business, or is it going to see friends, going to see family? There's a higher economic value in the sort of intangible aspects of what that car provides to you as an asset than I think a lot of people think of. And so I really bring that up to say we have to think outside of the idea of an asset as just something that you know, generates income or it's it's a business that I own that's going to pay off or my home is an asset because, you know, in 10 years from now, I'm going to be able to sell it for a million dollars when I bought it for $300,000, whatever it might be. Uh, we have to start thinking as assets as, as something a little bit broader than that and take that idea of ownership and economic value and start to put it in places where it makes sense for your balance sheet. Not every asset that you have has to put money directly into your pocket. As a matter of fact, a lot of assets, that's not their intent, and they're still valuable. There's still an economic value tied to them, even though it's not month over month putting, putting dollar bills inside of your pocket. So that's kind of you know the broad idea, again, high-level view, what we want to look at this with. Now, some people will say, Garrett, okay, you know, yes, my, my car is an asset or my home is an asset. But my mortgage, that's not an asset. That's actually a liability. And that's a very good point. And so, you know, we're, we might actually do a whole other video just about liabilities and things like that. But right now, what we're talking about between assets and liabilities are really just two different sides of the balance sheet. And so, focusing on assets, focusing on what ownership is, what these, how these assets can help drive your wealth is what we want to focus on with this video. And that's kind of just, again, that, that when we look at this, what is an asset? It is ownership and it's the it's an ownership of of a basic um, item or thing. It could be an intangible thing that has some sort of economic value. One thing that we look at with assets and and I talk about this a lot as well is uh, asset location and how specific assets work in different vehicles uh, and I think there's a lot of opportunity here. This could be a whole video where we talk about the benefit between being in a Roth compared to a traditional, whether it's with your IRA or 401k. Um, and and that is kind of the idea behind asset location. But even going broader than that, imagine if you owned a small business, asset location can become uh, as 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 deep down as do you want to put the vehicle that you're going to buy or lease uh, in the name of the business? Or do you want to keep that personal? When you own a business, are all the assets of the business under one LLC, under one sort of umbrella? Or do you own several different LLCs or C-Corps or S-Corps or whatever it might be that hold different versions of those assets? This is where we start to really really dive into what is asset location. And a lot of business owners out there, they probably already know this because you've probably talked to a tax professional or an attorney, and they've talked to you about these being some of your options for ownership with a business. So it's not really just about that conversation on your own individual purposes, but it really is a conversation about a business owner as well. And again, ownership is or assets, they're all about ownership. And so we want to talk about that on that higher level. Uh, When we look at some of the aspects between a Roth, a traditional, or a taxable, these are some of the main vehicles that people will be looking at for their investment accounts. So you can own something on a Roth basis. This uh, basically just means you've already paid the tax on it. It goes inside of something where it is after you've paid the tax on it. Those typically tend to grow with uh, without you paying tax on the growth, and then when you go to use those funds, as long as you abide by all the rules of a Roth account, then those uh, assets will come out tax-free. Uh, compared to a traditional, a traditional, these are pre-tax dollars. These are dollars that you have not paid taxes on yet. They go in there before you pay the taxes on them, uh, or you pay you, you put it in there and then you take the tax deduction in some scenarios for the traditional accounts. And then as they grow, you don't have to pay taxes on the growth, but when it comes time to actually start taking that money out, you're going to be uh, paying taxes when you take that money out, Uh, as long as you, again, abide by some of the rules that that come into play with that. And then you have a taxable account. Taxable account is just your regular, good old-fashioned, everyday brokerage account, uh, something you might see at Schwab or Vanguard or any one of these other uh, brokerages. And this is something that you put the money in there. You've already paid tax on the money, which is true, um, typically, again, right? As long as (laughs) as as, uh, everything's, you're not deployed to a uh, combat zone or anything like that. And uh, as the money grows, you're going to pay tax on the growth that is realized. So as it comes to you, as you receive uh, receipts of that, whether by dividends or by the sale of, of an asset, whatever it might be, you'll pay the tax on that. You'll have a tax liability based on that. And then when you go to take that money out, uh, depending on whether or not you've paid the tax on it, that's going to um, that's gonna determine the taxation of that. So And that's kind of the most common breakdown of those three. I'm not going to, I'm not here to talk about which one's better, which one's worse. I think each one of them has their own uh, pros and cons list that goes along with them. Obviously, there's limits to using Roth, there's get limits to a traditional taxable. There's not a whole lot of limits other than just having paid the taxes on it. It's not illegal money or anything like that. Uh, and so, you know, as you're going through saving, investing, odds are you're going to experience at some point in time, all three of these. And so it's just good to know the different way that these uh, asset location or these asset uh, vehicles really work. But one thing with assets is that we don't want taxes to be the main driving decision on a lot of these things. And this kind of comes into a business mindset when you start looking at stuff. Uh, because you can buy assets for a business and depreciate those assets, which helps with the taxability or the taxation of what's taking place inside of your business. A lot of people. They like depreciation. Of course, uh, one thing with depreciation is that when there's a sell of that asset, typically there is some type of uh, depreciation recapture or your basis inside of that asset is going to be lower because you took a depreciation on it. And so taxes should not be the only decision that that you have or that you should be thinking about when it comes to making decisions with asset location or how you treat that asset. Uh, This is one of those things where, again, I feel like I always harp on it, but you should be talking to a professional. This is where a really good CPA is going to come into play for you. They're going to help you make the right decision uh, for your business. Talking to an advisor like myself, we're really going to help you make the best decision for your personal assets. Uh, And then where we come in, this actually brings us into that third topic that I want to talk about, which I think is one of the most important ones that we discuss in your investment plan as a part of your overall financial plan. And when it comes to investment planning, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can talk about, but asset allocation tends to be one of the driving uh, vehicles towards accomplishing your goals. And so what do we mean by asset allocation? Asset allocation is essentially the mix of your investments inside your investment account and uh you know you could be you could think of your account so let's think about your 401k You're, you for a lot of 401k's you have uh, particular options that you get to choose from within investments on there you might go in and there would be a large cap option there might be a mid cap and a small cap option there might be an equi- or a uh, international option there's typically bond options you'll have your target date funds in there typically somewhere Uh, there's a lot of different options in there. Those are the different assets that you get to buy. And your asset allocation is your mix between all these different asset classes. We didn't even name all the asset classes in in that little list right there. Typically, those are the ones that you just see instead of a 401k. Uh, You can get very granular. You can look at large cap between large cap growth, large cap value, large cap blend, same thing with mid, small cap. Uh, when you start looking at bonds, there's probably a thousand and one different ways to classify the different bonds that are out there, individual bonds, bond funds, everything like that. So you can be, you can start to get very granular with asset location, but it's ultimately just that makes a lot of people think, well, the 60, 40, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. That's, you know, uh, that's always kind of one of those old tropes that everyone throws around and is often a benchmark for people compared to saying you know if you were better off in a sixty forty or better off in your own allocation mix, but uh asset allocation is it it's just how you decide to mix these assets. This should be individual for everybody really it's not there's not a right or wrong version of an asset allocation. Uh, people And again, this is one of those places where people tend to have a lot of biases on. You'll talk to people and they'll be like, oh, they're all in CDs or money markets and they're losing their money because inflation is so high right now. Is that technically true? Is there, is there a truth potentially to this idea that, well, inflation's at yeah, long-term inflation. Again, we're not talking about today, but the long-term inflation might be at 3%. So if you're earning 2.2, then you're losing money. Is there truth behind that math? Sure. But at the end of the day, if that's what you're comfortable with investing, if that is your preferred asset allocation, then there's nothing wrong with that. What you should be using to determine your asset allocation uh, should be your overall tolerance for risk within the market, meaning how much are you willing to put on the line and potentially lose in order to see a particular gain. Uh, another thing that comes into play with that is what's the timeline that you have? Do you have 15, 20, 30 years? Are you looking to buy a house in the next two years and this money is going to be your down payment? Uh, do you Is this money that you're going to be using when you're 75 and that's when you finally retire because you just love what you do so much? Uh, the timeline is going to play a big part in the asset allocation that you should be in. But again, after that risk tolerance, because... It doesn't matter if you've got 40 years, if you just don't like the way that equities work, uh, that's probably not going to be a good thing to have a lot of inside of your asset allocation. It's not going to make you happy. And at the end of the day, you're going to see what's taking place like what we're seeing in the markets uh, this year in 2020 and be like, nope, I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to take my money out. So there's no right or wrong when it comes to asset allocation. This is, I think, the one thing that a lot of people struggle with. This is where uh, when people say to me, Garrett, I just don't know what to do with my investments, they are talking about how to create their asset allocation. And again, uh, this is where having an expert that somebody that can take that you know non-emotional stance on the allocation decision, it's really really important. It can help if nothing else, even just get you on the right direction. And you should be able to see the different type of allocations that you might be able to go into and the potential result. Again, nobody can predict the future, especially when it comes to investments. But being able to see that. If you stick with it long-term, what might the potential results be within a particular asset allocation is going to be absolutely key to helping you determine the right allocation mix for you. So this is, again, reach out to your financial advisor, your investment manager, wealth advisor, whatever it might be, uh, somebody that you know and trust that can help point you in the right direction and and even help you get set up with some of these uh, different allocation mixes because this is where it starts to become very complex, very convoluted. So, uh, you know, with that, guys, the the financial balance sheet, the investment decision, uh, the terms that we use in the finance world can be very confusing. A lo- I talk to a lot of people, and and they say, I yeah, I d- didn't learn this stuff in school. I don't feel like I have a really strong grasp on this thing. We hear about it on the news. We hear people talking about it. They hear me talking about it on this podcast, and like, yeah, I don't really understand. What you mean by that. And so I'm hoping that by having these conversations and really understanding that, you know, having those insecurities about the knowledge on finance and things like that, that's normal. Uh, I tell a lot of people the reason I got into this profession was because I just knew so little about it at one point in time. I said, I'm going to change that. I started focusing on educating myself through self-study, through lifelong learning, through going through courses that I can take, and things like that. And I realized I had a real passion and a real love for uh, this profession. And it was just through education. It was through listening to podcasts, podcasts a lot like this one that kind of helped me get that baseline knowledge. And then through that continuing education process, getting my CFP, getting an MBA in finance, uh, now being a certified exit planning advisor, a lot of these things really start to help continue to build so that I can reach out to my clients and especially to you guys listening to this podcast to help give you guys that education. I promise you there's no question that is a stupid question in finance. If if you are thinking it or if you're confused about it, I promise you somebody else has been confused about it as well. So taking the time to understand the specifics is what helps us make better informed decisions. And working with a professional is what sets us apart. So, if you guys ever want to have a conversation with me or you want to have a second opinion on your current asset allocation or the assets you're holding, I would love to do that. Uh, Go ahead and click the link in the show notes below. It'll actually take you to a place where you can send me an email. Uh, go to our website, www.OperationVeteranFinance.org. There's a link on the page where you can actually click in and it'll send a a request right to me and I will reach out specifically to you. So I appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Operation Veteran Finance. You can listen to this episode or all other episodes by visiting the website, www.OperationVeteranFinance.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Wealth LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisory firm with its principal place of business in Ohio. Registration is not an endorsement of the firm or its representatives by securities regulators, nor is it an indication that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. This discussion is intended to be general and educational in nature and is not tailored to any listener's individual circumstances or financial situation. You should not assume that any discussion or information contained herein serves as the receipt of or as substitute for personalized investment advice. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. This communication should not be construed as a recommendation or solicitation to take or refrain from taking any particular course of action due to various factors, including changing regulation and marking conditions, the information discussed may no longer be reflective of, of current positions or recommendations. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date at the point of publication, and wealth does not guarantee its accuracy, and it should not be regarded as complete analysis of the subjects discussed. The subjects discussed herein are general in nature, provide for information purposes only, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Listeners should consult with the professionals of his or her choosing regarding their specific legal, tax, or financial situations.